time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Shreddy Balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Hi, everybody. We're back. I hope you had a great week. I hope you had a great 4th of July. I hope your dogs were able to cope with that, with all of the sounds, crazy fireworks. Um, Ray, we had such an amazing conversation last week with Joshua Lee, so I'm bringing him back. And I'm bringing back Ali Lesnar. For those of you who didn't listen to last week's podcast, Listen to last week's podcast before listening to this week's podcast, because this is the follow-on. And uh, Joshua Leeds is the founder of Through a Dog's Ear. He is a, a psychoacoustician and also a bioacoustician. Psychoacoustics, as I understand it, is the study of sound on people. Bioacoustics is the study of sound in animals. And Ali Lesnar is our curriculum manager and wonderful guru for the uh, Victoria Stillwell Academy. So we are back. We're talking, last week we talked about living in a world that feels like it's out of control. We talked about what through a dog's ear is. We talked about the canine noise phobia series and how that can help dogs with noise phobias. We talked about passive hearing versus active listening. And um, we talked about how music can discharge the nervous system, uh, what sound sensitivities are as well. So now I want to, uh, we touched on, and I kind of left it on a cliffhanger with regards to could separation anxiety be more than just, hey, you're leaving. I don't want to be left by myself. Is it because there's some kind of, the acoustics are so different? So. There's, there's, there's a lot to unpack here, but if I had a title, this is going to be the dogs, your dogs, what is your dog's perception of sound? And maybe some solutions that you can help you and your dog as you're both living in a world that feels out of control. Quick break here to get a word from this episode's sponsor, the Victoria Stillwell Academy. With everything going on in the world these days, online and distance learning is becoming more and more common. Over the past few years, there's been a steady increase in the number of online courses that are available to help people learn everything from how to play the guitar to how to do high-level coding for websites. Brand name universities have been offering online courses for a few years, and people have gotten more and more used to the concept of learning via their phones or computers. But now the coronavirus situation has supercharged the idea of online learning and telecommuting. With most colleges and universities moving all of their classes online, employers encouraging people to work from home, and even many schools shifting their lessons for children to online platforms. The good news is that educators like the Victoria Stowell Academy that have been offering online courses for a while have been working hard to develop super engaging and powerful online learning protocols that help learners get the most out of their distance learning. While there are still some schools that simply put their older content online as slides, a PDF, or a repurposed static audio lecture and leave it to their students to try their best, now there are better options. 
The Victoria Stowell Academy is a leader, not just in providing the best dog training educational content, but also in the unique and powerful ways that that content is delivered to the learner. Whether you're a dog owner looking for free courses to help build your dog's confidence, a self-described dog geek itching to get the latest information about dog behavior, or someone aspiring to change your career path to work with dogs for a living, the Victoria Stillwell Academy has a powerful suite of learner-centered, performance-based online courses available for you to start today. All Victoria Stillwell Academy courses are designed by Victoria and VSA's team of psychologists, instructional designers, and specialty experts to ensure a truly dynamic, engaging, and effective learning process. No more plodding through tired old text-based lessons or trying to figure out the point of games that don't address the true root cause of dog behavior. And the best news? You can enroll in one of the Victoria Stillwell Academy's free starter courses right now for no charge. Just go to vsdogtrainingacademy.com and click on the Enroll button to get started. If you're ready to take your dog training knowledge to the next level, you can enroll in the fully refundable Fundamentals of Dog Training and Behavior course today and get $100 off by using promo code PODCAST at checkout. Go to vsdogtrainingacademy.com and choose the Fundamentals course from the top menu. And finally, if you're looking for a school that will give you the skills, knowledge, and confidence you need to become a professional dog trainer, the Academy's Dog Trainer course is the premier option in dog trainer education. You can talk to an enrollment coordinator today or apply for enrollment right away in our online-only course with the option to upgrade to the in-person track when the time is right in the future. Visit vsdogtrainingacademy.com now to enroll in one of the Victoria Stillwell Academy's dynamic online courses and get started learning right away while staying at home and learning at your own pace. Learn online now with the Victoria Stillwell Academy, the future of dog training. So uh, welcome back, Joshua. Welcome back, Ali. Thank you. Thank you. My first question is, I want to continue with this question of separation anxiety that so many dogs suffer from. They, 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 it's the, the fear of abandonment, we always say, but is there something more going on? Is, there, is it because silence is deafening? Is it because the acoustic picture changes so much when we are not there? And how can we help dogs through sound with separation anxiety? So Ali, I wanted to, to, to give me a little bit about your thoughts, first of all, about about what I've said. Well, just a recap from last time, Victoria, we talked about how there's an element, it's not just about sound and perceiving the sound in the moment, it's also about the pattern identification and the control of when is the sound coming? What is it gonna sound like? Do I know that it's coming? And is it gonna happen again? And when we really are the ones controlling all the sound in our house, in the house, I said, notice we can't really control the sounds outside of our house. Like for example, Joshua just had a, a trash truck back up outside of his home. We can't really control that so much. There are certain things we could do with noise barriers and such things, but when, when we think about dogs, when we leave, do they think, you know, one hypothesis, and I'm anthropomorphizing here, is that our, is their acoustic guardian leaving? So we're the ones that turn off all the things. We turn off beepers. We Not beepers, you know what I mean. Things that beep. We turn off uh, 
any noise making thing in our house, we're the ones with the thumbs, we turn them off. So if the dogs notice us leaving, do they think now that their conductor has now gone? That the person who can control this sound has now departed and they're, at, they're on their own and they don't have an, someone to explain where these noises are coming from. You know, if the oven makes a noise and they, we walk over and turn it off, they, they may, may recognize this big stainless box is now done. But otherwise, they don't really know where the noise is coming from. And as someone who suffers from noise sensitivity, the where the origin of the noise is so important. I was sitting and watching a movie last night with my boyfriend and there was a noise outside and we didn't know what it was and we were both spooked. And of course it gets worse when you watch scary movies and you, you know you don't know what it is. Is it a squirrel on the roof? Is it a man coming in? You know, you don't know what it is. But that sense of panic is real. And I wonder if dogs feel that way when we leave and when they can't identify the origin of the noise. What do you think, Joshua? Well, I think as I listen to this, and I want to hearken back to, um, to something that Ali said last week, where she was talking about in her own personal um, pursuit of remedies to sound sensitivities, that, uh, that you were looking for different ways to understand what was taking place, as if it was a psychological event or as if it was uh, an emotional uh, conditioning or whatever it happens to be. And I think that it all comes back down to the way we're wired to the brain. I think it's a neurological event. I think that it's tied in with the primal brain. Um, I think it's about control. I think it's about feeling in control, like we understand the pattern, or feeling out of control where we can't find the pattern. Um, a case in point, about an hour ago, I could hear, I live in Southern Oregon, and so I'm not in a city where there are airplanes flying over all the time. There's probably an airplane that flies into the little Rogue Valley Airport uh, 15 miles away, maybe uh, once every two hours once every three hours. Uh, and I can definitely hear the frequencies of that. And as a human being with thumbs, I can, uh, I can identify what it is and I know that sound. This morning, um, all of a sudden I heard the sound of fighter jets. And I recognize it not because I have experience with them, thank goodness, but because I've been to enough 4th of July parades where the military will do a flyover if you happen to be on their list of places to fly over. And because the sound of these fighter jets, the, the, the sound of these advanced airplane engines are, is so singular. It's like such an extraordinary, powerful sound. And I heard these fighter planes flying overhead today is, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, it's the 7th of July and, uh, and I'm going, what is this possibly this sound that's going on? And I had to rush outside to see. I, I could identify it in my head and I went, oh, and it's not as if fighter planes just fly over my house 
very often or fly, you know, 2,000 feet up or 3,000 feet up very often. They don't. And because it was so out of the blue, out of the pattern, I fight or flight had to run outside to look up to verify what it was, the information that I was taking in through my portal, my auditory portal, and I needed to somehow verify it and take it in. I wanted to see it with my own eyes. And there were these two fighter planes way up, moving real fast. And it just was such a indication of what we need to do in our the wiring of the primal brain, which ties into the whole fight or flight syndrome. I heard something that really kind of hit a fear button in me. And I had to try to understand it more. If Allie is saying that she has got noise sensitivities that I know from earlier conversations are somewhat hereditary, this tells me, if there are other people in her family who has it, this tells me that in the cards that she was dealt, in the DNA, in the, in the, in the chemicals of the body that she was born with, it's not because of any weird experience that happened in her life. She just, it's just the way that she dialed it up. It's just the way that, it's what she got. And so then it's about saying, oh, this is the way I'm wired. I'm wired like a finely tuned engine, like a Porsche, like we were talking about in our last session, or I'm wired where like, a, like a, just a big old Mack truck where nothing, nothing surprises me, nothing gets in my way. I can take everything in, no big deal. Everything is just like cool. And we're all set in between that huge gap of being finely tuned and being coarsely tuned. And both of them, cool, it's all good, all right? But if we think about it in relationship to our dogs, now who don't have the same frontal cortex development that we do, they have their own, they have their own brain development and it's always changing and they're the most empathic beings that we can imagine. And that's the reason why we love them. And we love having them in our households because they just want to please. And because they just want to, on a good day, cuddle with us. And they just want to be heart partners with us. And then they expect us to kind of take care of them because they really are wild animals. And they really should be outside in the outside and not in our human environments. And so what ends up happening? I didn't have any control about those jet fighters that were flying overhead. And when Allie feels like she is out of control with sounds that somebody else is making, then all of a sudden she, it, to her, it, uh, you know, it triggers a fight or flight. It's like, if I don't understand where that's coming from, figure out how to control it, it's gonna drive me crazy because I'm not comfortable with those sounds. Victoria and I need to make you some soundtracks, Allie. Okay. Yeah, too. Please okay. do. And what I was thinking is it just made me think of why did we even have dogs in the first place? We look back to domestication and almost every breed of dog was supposed to help us, alert us to these differences in, in, in patterns, these abnormal patterns, whether you were a quote unquote lap dog or whether you were guarding livestock or herding something, any difference in pattern was, was, 
was selected for to show us that there's something wrong that helps dogs do their job. And so now that they're not really doing their jobs anymore, they're still trying to alert us. And, I, and now I feel almost bad when, you know, my dog looks at something and barks at it outside because he's telling me, hey, human pattern, not, you know, does not compute. Exactly. Uh, and, oh. and so when Jasmine, my chihuahua, barks when there's a knock on the door or when that, that, that it's her regular sort of resting pattern, her, she is, she is acclimated to the sounds of my house and of the, the pattern that I make when I walk. Even if she can't see me, she can hear. She understands the pattern of my feet on the ground when I get up in the morning. She knows that pattern so she doesn't bark. But if I have somebody to stay and they go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, she'll bark. She does not understand that that, that pattern of their, the way they walk is different from my pattern. So, so they're, they're, they, they were, our dogs were the first alarm systems and that's what they still do. They are still gonna warn us that there is a difference in that pattern and we need to be alert to it. So that separation anxiety dog, that dog that is left by itself. We talked about, Joshua, talk, you talk about control. Al, you talk about control. You cannot control it. You can't understand it, you, you can't control it. So that separation anxiety dog cannot control what's going on outside. It's not just being abandoned. It's just not that maybe that feeling of, hey, human, come back. The human, I rely on my pattern of just, you know, it provides all my patterns. That's why I talk about rituals of behavior. When I'm working with aggressive dogs, when I'm working with anxious dogs, I say, you've got to build up a ritual of behavior. That's what I mean. It's a pattern, right? So the patterns change and the dog has no control over it. So when we're talking about perception of sound, if you've never considered it, considered how, how your dog perceives sound or how sound impacts your dog, or you have a dog that's anxious or you have a dog that has separation anxiety, take a look at your dog's acoustic environment and what triggers your dog's anxiety and is it related to something that to a pattern an acoustic pattern especially i think it's really important to think about what victoria said of this environment that when i went to a psychiatrist she asked me what types of media i was consuming that you know if i was going to bed at night was I watching Ozark or was I watching Great British Baking Show? <laughs> Am I watching something very pleasant and upbeat and happy, kind of like Joshua talks about with these low calming tones, or was I watching something super intense? And what did that do to my sleep patterns? What did that do to my nervous system? So thinking about how we, you know, I always talk about things visually because I'm a human, I'm fairly visually oriented, and it does bother me when I see clients' dogs looking out the window and barking at everything that passes by. They're looking for that visual pattern that they, and it's, it's almost too much. I think it's important to remember that Victoria is using the word separation anxiety, which truly means that this is an abnormal 
thing. You know, you can have separation issues. It's a spectrum. We're all on a spectrum. By noise sensitivity, many people are bothered by other people eating. But do you truly burst into tears when your boyfriend eats? <laughs> you know, what I have is not normal. It is, is maladaptive. It doesn't help me increase my biological fitness. So there is a difference in some dogs that get a little upset when somebody leaves versus those dogs that Victoria, who is it that jumped out of the window? The dog that jumped out of the yeah, window. Yeah, Scooby. Scooby was a dog that he jumped out. I, I, he was on It's Meal the Dog. If you want to see it, go to the It's Meal the Dog channel on YouTube. And you'll see that Scooby is a dog that had horrific uh, panic attacks when he was separated from his people. And um, one, uh, and he, he literally eight times, he jumped out of the window eight times until they had to put bars on the window. Um, and what I noticed in him, it wasn't just wasn't just the panic of his people leaving. It was the panic that that he became so frustrated. And when he saw other people outside, he wanted to get to them too. And it wasn't, I want to get to you to nail you. It was like, I need some, just need. And the, the, the patterns of, of what was one of the, I mean, I attacked that with every single therapy, every single method, every single technique I could think of, plus psychopharmacological support. Um, but I also used through a dog's ear. I also built that pattern and associated that pattern of music with calm and comfort. So we play it when mama was there and when dad was there and when the dog was, Scooby was getting a massage and when he was playing, just low activity playing. And, and so we associated that music with them being there. And then we gradually, as he became a little bit better with their very quick comings and goings. We started to play that music a little bit before they left. And that's what got me thinking, we can use these protocols and I can work with Joshua Leeds on these protocols. So now we're not just using these sound protocols for noise phobias, we're actually going to use protocols with helping dogs with separation anxiety and with aggressive response. And how are we gonna do that? Is we're gonna build up the association to this music, that this music provides a pattern that's comforting, that we be played at intervals when people are out as well. And the beauty of this is that you've got a CD track, right? And now that you can get an MP3 file and you can, you can get them. But, and so you don't have to have a CD player, but the amazing thing about separation anxiety was when Joshua and I were talking about it is how are we gonna deal with it? it? was like, I don't want music to be playing all the time. I don't want dogs just to sack out all the time. I want there to be an auditory, just like quiet for a little bit. And so we made this music that it would play for 30 minutes and then not, and then it will come on and play again. And then not for another 30 minutes. And then it would play for 20 minutes. Do you see what I mean? So we started this. So it seems to have helped. It seems to, it, it helped Scooby. It seems to have helped a lot of, of people. But that's what I mean about th this is so untapped. Joshua, I think that's what talking with you and working with you. And again, we, we, are, we are working on some very new, exciting things. Um, I know we have to take a really quick break. 
We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and continue this conversation and talk about what we are going to do so that you can help your dog deal with any noise phobias, anxieties, any situations just through sound. We'll be back. Welcome back. Okay, Joshua. We've talked. We've, we've, we've talked a lot. Um, we're on the separation anxiety using sound for separation anxiety. Using sound for aggression. I mean, it's very. This is cutting edge stuff. It is, and um, I'm so delighted to have the opportunity to work with you co-joining the awareness of psychology, emotion, brain chemicals, auditory, visual, sensory. It almost doesn't matter what the portal is. It's about how we're using frequencies to match frequencies or to upset and overturn frequencies to break patterns. But we're continuing to see things through the lens of what are the tones, and that can be what are the feeling tones, as well as what are the frequency tones, what are the musical tones. Through tempo, what is the tempo in which life happens? Where is the room for acclimation? We're all built in, have this wonderful quality of being able to acclimate, to become accustomed to something. That's a fabulous survival mechanism, compensatory mechanism. And then this piece about pattern and pattern identification. And last week I was talking about how the brain looks for a pattern and says, okay, I'm done with that. Now I can put my attention on something else because I have a million things to keep track of. And so the brain isn't doing it because it's trying to make anybody happy or not happy. It's just trying to get stuff off the desktop and just go, let's get things organized. You over here and you over there and you over there. And now I can turn my attention over here. And as soon as the brain finds the pattern, then it can move its attention to something else. But because we're holistic beings, we're wired emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, as human beings, full use of the brain. It takes all of these elements to be able to find a way to be in balance. So when I think about animals with separation anxiety, there's actually not a whole lot of difference than with humans and separation anxiety, all right? And really when I think about what is at the core what is the taproot of separation anxiety? For me, it's about control. It's about lack of control. So lack of control then brings about fear. And then it brings about protection. We want fear to go away. So who's going to protect me? Oh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a dog and Allie's my, my pet person. And so I'm afraid, I'm out of control, I'm looking for Allie. I can't find Allie, 
I'm jumping out the window because there's somebody out there that looks enough like Ali that I can just come and say, would you please? Can you, can you please help me? Please, can you help me? So isn't that really what's driving the fear or the anxiety in separation? We're all herd animals, no pun intended. We all want to be with our herd when we're kept away from our herd, where is our support? Where is our comfort? You, you know, what you're talking about now, I mean, I think everybody, I think everyone who's listening to this podcast can think of a time when they feel discomfort because they're, they're not with their herd. I mean, it's as simple as I'm, I'm the traveler in my, in my house. I am always away. Now, because of COVID, the blessing of it, there could be a blessing, is that I am mostly at home. But my husband and my daughter went off to go camping one night. And I was in the house by myself, and I have my dogs, um, and I have an alarm. But still, I was now attuned to everything, to every noise, everything. I was not with my herd. I felt a little anxious. I did not sleep well. I slept with one ear open. And, 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 and it's really interesting. You put yourself in that position of like, I, I am a herd animal. I need to be with my, my, my social set. I need to be with those people that make me feel calm. Ali. And I think it's not just about dogs or people with issues. You know, I've talked about my journey and my dog's journey, and maybe there's some hereditary things in there, I would say definitely in my case, and maybe in your dog's case as well. However, it's, there's a spectrum out there, and it seems like we could all be in this place at certain times, and that it could just be, you know, reflecting on what we talked about before in, the, in last week's podcast about Coltrane being, you know, the the perfect example of not really having a pattern and we're, we're actively listening, trying to find that pattern. And what if Coltrane went bad? <laughs> what if we used the powers for, for bad? And you think about your dog's acoustic environment now, maybe you have a great dog and you just had a new baby. What is the acoustic environment like now? Is there a pattern? Uh, you know, are there do are there new baby monitors, new things beeping, new baby screaming that your dog wasn't used to before? And so, even if your dog didn't have noise issues before, these things could be used. Sound could be used to help acclimate and make good associations. So it's not just about solving the problem once it's already happened, but it's you know maybe if I had done more things, especially with some genetic component what if I had done more things as a child or if my mom had done more things as a child to help me combat this could this help so Victoria could this help puppies and other and dogs that we've just adopted into our homes I think that was when I when Joshua and I were working together we really wanted to to sort of drive home that the fact that this didn't have to be just a something that could that would treat an issue uh, a noise phobia in fact it could it could help prevent it it would be that stress inoculation right from the start or that, that sound inoculation right from the start that we could use with puppies um, and to prevent noise phobias from happening in, in the future. 
and and so and I, I think that's a really important part part of the work um, that that we did because of course prevention is much better we don't want our dogs developing these fears and phobias we want to be able to prevent them by doing as much as we can on the front end so that we can have a lifetime of a dog that's just more, more that, that feels more confident Joshua yeah yeah, so uh, uh, the thing that occurs to me is that, is it possible that what we're dealing with now with our animals is that not that they've been overbred, but that there is a dependence now. The human environment is so all-encompassing. The I've been um, involved in looking into the the pet animal marketplace since 2003 due to the through a dog's ear and through a cat's ear project. And I have noticed that there has been a trend and the trend is bring the dog in from the backyard. The dog no longer lives in the backyard. The dog sleeps in your house, might sleep in your bedroom, might sleep in your bed. Uh, the dog eats uh, gourmet organic food uh, the dogs are treated in a way uh, built upon largely from a commercial vantage point because so many people wanted to have animals that were part of their family or a replacement for human contact. And so the, our pets, for many people, become our herd. And so if we define herd as where do we go for comfort? Where do we go for social contact? And that in the last 17 years where um, the pet trade moved from being a $36 billion a year marketplace to being over $60 billion per year that people are spending on their animals, one of the effects of that is we are taking our animals further and further away from their own natural environment. That maybe there was a much more of a balanced place when our dogs were in the backyard. And now our dogs are inside all of the time and they do not, there is such a lack of control. Because just like Ali's talking about, all of the noise prompts, all of the noise things. I mean, now that you can even go, you can buy for $100 or $150 a thing that, that gets um, installed on your wall that allows you to video phone in and see your dog. And so you call your dog. And can you imagine your dog hears your compressed voice and goes running to the wall where this thing is on the wall. And then if the dog behaves, then out of the wall pops a treat that hits them in the third eye. Now you go, this is kind of funny. Yeah. You go, this is kind of funny. And then at the other, on the other hand, you go and I'm looking at my, my compatriots here and, and Ali's laughing and Victoria is laughing because we're going, look what we're subjecting our animals to. Our exactly. Dogs. Exactly. I hate those things. I'm sorry, but I hate the fact that I don't mind like a treat dispenser. Sometimes you can do it or a webcam where you're watching your dog. I think it's so freaky when you suddenly talk to your dog and you're not there. Um, uh, and it, it, it's just, it's not, it's not, I mean, talk about disrupting patterns. Good God. The wall is now speaking. 
and, and for, for uh, they market like this, you can connect with your pet when you're away and yada yada. And, and, and then they cite, you know, can the dog see it? Is it too pixelated? Is it too the, 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 the refresh rate of the whatever it is? Anyway, we, we, we're coming to the end of this podcast, but um, Ali, some solutions, some solutions that we can give people. <laughs> of course, there's the canine noise phobia series for the prevention and treatment of noise phobia. There is the separation anxiety and aggression series that helps dogs with separation anxiety and aggression. And that's in conjunction with through a dog's ear and positively. What, what other things can we do? I think the good news is it's fairly simple that, you know, in addition to the, the resources that Victoria mentioned, it's we, we want to treat our dogs like family. Let's do that. The other day I walked into the room and the lights were off and I turned on the lights to go grab something from the closet and my dog Klaus is laying on the bed and he startled and looked at me all bleary eyed and I thought, oh my gosh, buddy, I'm so sorry. I just came in, you were napping, I turned on the lights and went in and grabbed something out of the closet noisily and left. How rude is that? I can't imagine if my boyfriend had come in and done the same thing, I would have yelled at him. Are you kidding me? I'm napping in here. And so thinking about that from just the total environment from all five senses, let's focus on sound today because we have Joshua Leeds here. What does your dog want to listen to? And even more important in some cases, what doesn't your dog want to listen to? Mm -hmm. I would recommend give your dog a sanctuary or what we call at uh, positively a safe zone. So have a room that maybe the lights are off and the room is cool and there's some calming music playing or maybe no music. And then maybe you have another room where the lights are on and it's a little warmer and there's some reggae going on. I know Joshua can talk about some reggae and you have some more upbeat music. So give them environments, give them that choice. This comes from my world of reptiles. I love, I'm a crazy snake lady. And, and for reptiles, we give them a, a cool place and a hot place so they can choose to regulate their own temperature. But for dogs, they don't need to worry that much. But wouldn't you wish you could take off your blanket if you were too hot or get one if you're cold? So give your dog places to lay down and give them a difference in that sensory environment or there, give them a different acoustic environment that they can have the power of choice to choose what they prefer. And consider their needs when you're playing music for yourself. So um, interesting, right? We're just starting a thunderstorm. So if my sound goes a bit off, and that's why if people could see me on Zoom as we're recording this on Zoom, they might see what Joshua and Ali are seeing is that I'm now looking around, I'm looking out, out my window, I'm looking up top because now my pattern of just hearing the crickets outside and the thing is being disturbed because now I'm hearing them. I mean, talk about timing. Now I'm hearing the rumble of thunder and the pitter patter of rain and the tree frogs are really, suddenly, sometimes they start to squawk and sometimes they, they, they're quiet. So um, Joshua, if people want to find out more information about your work through a dog's ear, where would they go? Thanks, Victoria. That's a great question. They can come to the parent site of Through a Dog's Ear, which is iCalmPet, iCalmPet.com. They can find it all right there. Right there, iCalmPet.com. Um, I also want to say, 
we have some very, very exciting things coming up with Joshua. This will not be the last that you see or hear of him. Because um, he is going to, has very kindly agreed to speak at our next conference that we are going to announce the dates of pretty soon. And, um, but he's also going to be doing something else exciting, kind of a, 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 a webinar with us as well. And um, where we're going to be sort of opening this conversation up a little bit more. I really hope that you've enjoyed the podcast today and uh, that you enjoyed last week's podcast too. Joshua, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners? Everybody stay calm, stay safe, stay tuned in to your own needs. Remember who the adult is in the room and uh, everybody be well. And we started last week's podcast off with, we're living in a world that feels like out of control. We talked a lot about control today with our dogs feeling out of control when we leave them. Um, we're not talking about control as in we have to be in control, but it, it's that empowerment, really. It's that an, an, an empowerment comes with, or, or control comes, is really feeling like, you are able to move around your world with some degree of control of the things that are gonna to happen to you. So that's what we mean when we're talking about control. I think it is empowerment. We can make our own decisions. We can run out if we hear a noise outside. Our dogs can't, unless they've got a doggy door. Right. So now as I'm speaking and the wind is blowing and the rain is coming down and the lightning is just exploding and I hear the thunder. I'm now getting a little anxious and I'm now beginning to understand a little bit of the dog's experience. Joshua, thank you so much for speaking with us. I can't wait to um, introduce people to our, to our next endeavor together. Ali, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, be safe, be healthy, everybody. Take care of yourself. We're all in this together. You're not alone. Tune in next week. Thank you so much, everybody, and take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. <laughs> <laughs>